Go for Leadership, the podcast with Daniel and Gerd. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Go for Leadership podcast. Uh, today with me is Frank Gabriel. Um, he is uh, with me for talking about leadership. Go for Leadership interviews. Frank, can you give me a 30 seconds introduction of yourself? Who are you? Hi, my name is Frank Carvajal, and I am a son of immigrants from Mexico. I am first-generation college graduate. I am first-generation professional, and I never believe in the imposter syndrome. I always believe in leadership. I, I like that, and uh, leadership is our word, so maybe you can give us also your definition uh, of your let's say of your leadership. How would you define leadership? Leadership uh, is in different forms. You have to be a servant leader. You have to be willing to serve others before serving self. You have to serve with authenticity. And more importantly, you have to really show corazón, heart, that it matters to really care for others before caring for your self-purpose of, you know, really looking at in terms of a leadership model You really have to look at how and where that person is at in their life. For example, if the person is just graduating from college, it's important not only to network, but to connect that person with the right role model, the right mentor to establish that relationship early on. Because as I experienced in, in my life as a first generation graduate from college, it was a difficult navigation to get to where I am today. So I understand it's important to always elevate the future leaders. So um, that's a, a very nice perspective because I, I've talked with one of my friends actually that that he gave a lot of uh, responsibility of, of to me when I was young and becoming a, a leader um, of a team. So do you think it's also important as, as a leader to give responsibility to your teams uh, and uh, in particular to to uh, graduates uh, to uh, help them grow or how would you how would you describe that process to help yeah, of younger? course <clears throat> yeah of course you know uh, one thing that uh, is for sure is I'm a competitor I uh, attribute that to playing sports early on I played soccer I ran track and I always remember a coach um, who believes in you is a coach who's going to uh, provide more responsibilities. <laughs> there's, um, there's a saying, there's people who bark and there's people who bite. And the folks who bark aren't really ready for being proactive to really bite into that steak, if you will. So, you know, we're all hungry. In other words, when we're hungry, we're going to do what it takes to succeed. So the responsibility of a mentor or coach is to really delegate the role of taking action, not just being loud or not just barking, but really being proactive and taking action is so much more important. So the role of a, of a great coach or a mentor, and I consider myself a mentor today to many folks, is to provide the responsibilities. But at the same time, when you're providing that, you also have to lead by example. And what I mean by that is lead with action. Just don't talk the talk, walk the walk and show purpose. Purpose is really about showing that you care, but at the same time, you know, being tough but fair is those two elements that I really believe in. 
if you're going to be tough, you also have to be fair because people really react and engage to a person who's respectful. In other words, if you're going to demoralize a, a person that you're leading in front of others, then that person's motivation and scaling to be successful will diminish. But if you provide the responsibility to an individual by showing that you care, by still at the same time being you know, pretty tough, then I think there's going to be more engagement and you're going to see better results. I like that a lot. Um, so now uh, getting into the material of the different generations maybe, do you see uh, uh, differences between uh, let's say the, the, the younger generations that you mentor your mentees, um, because I see these days generations that maybe just don't want to uh, get responsibility or, or lead teams. They, they just want to do their standard job uh, and uh, have other priorities. Do you agree or do you see there yeah. some uh, evolution? You know, the evolution is interesting because I'm actually uh, working on a book on uh, the digital evolution for Latinos and Latina leaders. And I think the divide is really uh, between social media and, you know, the era of I'm, I'm just a little bit older than you, but uh, it, it's still within the era of time frame that you and I have experienced where you could go out and play ball or you could go out and have fun and socialize with your friends. And the social norm today is really of social media. So we have to understand what motivates millennials or Generation Z. And it's, it really is about spacing and time frame and understanding that they will get the job done, but it has to be in terms of, uh, you know, understanding the, the environment and the environment is social media and the climate is uh, going to be stormy, if you will, no pun intended, if you try to pressure a millennial or a Generation Z to think along the lines of how we grew up. Those, those cliches really get under the skin of Generation Z or millennials. So we have to really understand, well, what is their process? If their process is of social media, uh, media norms, then we have to really do our research. And we already understand the elements and we understand the framework of how to motivate others, but we have to understand how to motivate you know, the folks that of today's climate because They're motivated. They're resilient. In fact, today's generation, whether it's Generation Z or millennials, are much more resilient than you and I were because look at what they're experiencing today under COVID-19, the remote learning. You have to be so much more motivated, so much more research-oriented <laughs> to really thrive in today's environment. Yeah. No, fully and agree. They're doing, and they're doing that. And I think, uh, well, I, I can observe that with my own daughter uh, being alone in, in your in your um, in your room, uh, trying to study. It's kind of a long distance or far distance learning uh, situation. And uh, I I've always told that uh, there's no method for me. I need to be in in front um, or in contact with with a teacher. Um, 
and let's maybe switch gears a little bit. Um, so uh, also with, uh, let's say, a, a common Latin uh, connection we both have, um, do you think that there, there's a difference between uh, a leader, let's say, from, from a Latin American country and, and maybe from the US where you're living now? Is, is there a difference? Do you see differences? I, Daniel, I love that question. I, I love it because I experienced it firsthand when um, I was fortunate that my book, Building the Latino Future, was translated into uh, 14 Latin American countries. It was translated into Spanish and distributed in 14 Latin American countries. And I was very blessed and uh, grateful that I had the opportunity to speak at nine uh, beautiful cities in Colombia. And I remember... Uh, a conference that was a leadership summit. And there was this person who was the keynote. I was the opening keynote, but this person was a closing keynote. And I wanted to gauge this person's leadership. And I talked to him a little bit about a vision I had for creating the Silicon Valley Latino Leadership Summit. This was a year before it became uh, a reality and became into fruition. And I asked him, uh, about Latino leadership. And he uh, looked at me and in Spanish, he said, well, there's really no antecedent. There's really nothing that comes before a leader in Latin America. We don't put Latino or Latina in front of leader. We just become leaders. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And I found that interesting because in the U.S., we have to fight much more in terms of systematic racism in terms of inequities, in terms of inequalities. Sure, uh, South America has it in terms of colorism, but in the United States, in terms of executive roles, C-suite roles, Silicon Valley, it much more of a, 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 a reminding folks that we're Latina, Latino, and now the term Latinx leaders so that they could see that we are made up of a community that's diverse, but at the same time, we have to put that coin, if you will, in front of a leadership uh, uh, concept. And in Latin America and South America, my experience was when that person who was the, uh, you know, opening, uh, I mean, the closing keynote, when he said, oh, you know, uh, I don't put a Latino in front of my leadership role. I am just a leader. So I found that very interesting. No, absolutely. And I think the, um, the, um, now, going a little bit into the team setup, that of course, diversity, also uh, having uh, diverse leadership styles, depending on the environments and the situation that you are in, is I think something that, um, of course, um, uh, uh, depends on the leadership skills of each individual. For example, um, I experienced working in Latin America that there are, uh, uh, let's say, certain attitudes that I've experienced there that, that can help in a situation that we are currently now in, right? In, in, for example, in Corona, that, for example, maybe a an, an more German-oriented uh, folk, which is more structured maybe, uh, has uh, maybe difficulties to scope with. So uh, do you think there are different styles that, uh, not talking about stereotypes, but uh, that are, let's say, different <clears throat> styles that, that uh, can be recognized, uh, let's say the Latin, Latin American style, so to say? You know, uh, Daniel, as I mentioned uh, in, uh, in the back room, in the green room, how football, soccer is what 
made me become and understand teamwork and leadership. And I realized that uh, I saw this great documentary on Pele uh, just a couple of days ago when it was released on Tuesday. And one of the things I noticed was the racism that, that Pele had to face, even as the greatest player of the world during that time. And in 1970, when they played uh, Italia, Italy in the final, what I noticed, uh, Daniel, <coughs> is the fact that Italy had all white players. And during that era in 1970, it, Italia, up until recently, they had their first African-born player, now a, a Italian uh, citizen by the name of Bocatelli. Uh, he was uh, born in Ghana, but he was adopted by an Italian family. And they placed him on the team because of his style of play and the progression and how the game has changed. And I say that because it's the same analogy on how corporate America, in terms of changing and keeping up with customer base, they have to change the strategy and recruit more folks of color, whether Latino, Black, or others that uh, really feel left out and left out from that corporate table. Because if, if it doesn't change, you're going to start to see many more entrepreneurs and many more venture capital folks that are going to invest and build an ecosystem that is going to show America, we really need to uh, be in this together. Because diversity just like a football, a soccer game wins. Diversity always wins. And that's why I love soccer so much because you, you see the common thread is really to win as a team. The ball is kicked around by folks from different nations across the world. And the concept for a business should be the same. That at the end of the day, the bottom line is to succeed together regardless of color. And we have to bring color into the uh, mix because the regardless part is something that they've been disregarding. In other words, the corporate executive teams have been disregarding us. So we really need to be part of that. No, and, and I think if, if COVID showed something is that we are living in one little planet, right? It's one right. human humankind. Uh, and I think we all need to work together Uh, to um, to uh, solve the problems of the decade for our kids, for for the next generations, and I think we we just cannot allow um, as a, a global race to um, to not use the best people we can get uh, from different colors, from different uh, religions, uh, different uh, genders, in order to form teams to uh, bring cope corporations to bring uh, projects to bring uh, initiatives forward uh, to to success you know that that is such a great point that i really uh, understand you know with the vaccine uh, we're building immunity uh, you know with uh, covid and from it but i think we need to have a a vaccine for racism a, ra a vaccine to uh systematically change things, a, an educational vaccine for uh, folks that are uh, underserved. And, and, and you're absolutely right. We have experienced as one big planet, 
the the seriousness of, of COVID-19. But at the same time, we also have to pay attention to the ones, say, for example, in the United States that are being the most impacted are two uh, of the races that I, I believe are dying by, by the thousands, which are my community, the Latino community, <laughs> and the African-American community. And it's really something that uh, is heartbreaking because uh, you and I uh, uh, spoke a little in Spanish in the back room, and I understand uh, here in the U.S., we have to have more liaisons and folks that are really going out to the community, whether it's uh, setting up mobile uh, vans or whatever it takes to uh, not only have the vaccine available, but have a person who could really talk our community, talk to our community and connect and say, it's going to be okay to get this vaccine. Otherwise, Daniel, as we progress in time, we're still going to need that vaccine for racism. I, I absolutely agree. And I think that that's a big statement that uh, um, I think all of us as human kind should understand that uh, like like I, like I mentioned right I mean it, it's it's us on planet earth so um, maybe to to uh, switch gears a, a little bit so you have uh, showed that you th that you have thrived throughout your career to to succeed um, and uh, of course uh, all that started uh, uh, once um, so maybe you can give us a, a quick uh, glimpse what would you have said to your yourself um, uh, before you started your professional career? So the younger uh, Frank. Yeah, I love that, Daniel. I would have said to myself, ask more questions in uh, middle school and in high school on how to apply to, uh, for example, uh, a Stanford or a Harvard, because I just feel that, that too many times when we're not asking questions, we're not going to challenge and change the narrative. And I always empower others that are uh, younger than I am to, to always ask questions because your questions are all valid. And I, I feel that, that my younger self didn't ask enough questions. And today, that's why I love to uh, have these type of uh, talks as well as a dialogue that's ongoing because uh, communication really is a strength. It's not a weakness. It's not showing weakness. It really is empowering others. I love that. Go for Leadership, the podcast with Daniel and Gerd. Frank, thank you so much for being our guest today and uh, stay healthy and, and uh, talk to you soon. Thank you so much, Daniel. And by the way, I just lastly wanted to say that uh, I love Germany and Stuttgart, where you're based, because uh, I've been to a World Cup there and I loved it. Thank you so much. Go for Leadership, the podcast.